Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. I wonder, has anybody come up to you in the last 30 days, uh, let's even go 60 days, and asked you, how is your spiritual life going? How is your spiritual life doing? How is your spirit being? Uh, I'm not asking uh, what your favorite verse of the day is. I'm not asking you if you've heard the latest Stephen Furtick sermon, the latest Mike Todd sermon, you know, Mike Todd sermon, the latest Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. How are you doing spiritually? When's the last time you had fresh manna from heaven, right? When's the last time you had a fresh word from Jesus? And it gets me concerned because we've got consumer Christianity. We've got consumer Christianity going where we're honestly, to be honest, Pastor, we could get the best sermon of today just uploaded on YouTube or downloaded on Google. or I mean, we could get it anyway, but, but God wants to give us fresh manna. And I liken fresh manna to good old fresh pan dulce. Has anybody ever had one of these before? And I'm going to prove to you this is what the children of Israel ate. I'm going to prove it to you. Because if you leave this out overnight into the next day, this is hard as a rock. This is what David used to kill Goliath right here. I promise you, it is soft and fresh and moist right now. But by the next day, ooh, this is a break of tooth. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? How many know what I'm talking about, right? If you don't know, I'll send you home with the bag today, okay? Thank you. Shout out for getting it for me. I appreciate it. So I just really want to encourage everybody that we need fresh, we need fresh word. Now watch this. Uh, and here's why. <laughs> So that whole app came out where you get to, like, see yourself in 40 years. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? This is me in 40 years. Look at that. Woo! I'm just happy I'm still kind of swole, y'all. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I got daughters at home. They ain't never going to meet nobody, right? I mean, I'm going to get so big and buff. Yeah. I'm going to look like the rock. Be like, date my daughter. I will eat you. Okay. So I noticed, like, uh, I didn't age very well. And do you know growing old is not optional, but growing up is? Growing old is not optional, but growing up is. And, and I really want to encourage you with this, that in order to grow up spiritually, you got to choose it. you got to choose it. Matter of fact, to have, to have good spiritual formation in your life, to be a mature believer in the faith in Christ, right, to be this mature person, you got to have good psychology and you got to have good theology and you'll have good spiritual transformation. See, if you have just good theology, but you're not having good psychology, then you'll know the Bible, but you'll just be a cult leader because you don't love you. I didn't say you're in love with yourself. That's narcissism. I'm saying, but you do got to love you. In other words, you got to have good psychology instead of walking around all wounded and spill it out on people. But if you have good psychology, but you got no theology, well, you ain't nothing but a motivational person. And if you want that, you could tune in somewhere else. I'm here to grow you up in Christ, right? So I'm here to encourage that growth. So in other words, we need to make sure we have this good, deep, rich spiritual transformation in our lives. And matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it that you matter the issues of your heart. Why? Because I encourage one another daily as long as it's called what? Today. 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 So look at your neighbor and tell them, today the best day. Go ahead and tell them, today the best day. Look at your other neighbor with a little bit more enthusiasm. Say, today, the best day. Go ahead and tell them. We're going to jump on over to the book of Luke. The book of Luke. I want to show you something in the passage of text that you're not alone. I believe there are people who came in here today, and you're just struggling in your faith a little bit. 
Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe doubt has crept in. Maybe you're frustrated that God's not answering prayers. Look at this was John the Baptist uh, uh, sending people to Jesus. said, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you this question. Now, here's what's interesting. This is Jesus' cousin. I mean, he's known Jesus the whole entire time, and he knows what he's capable of, but even he is frustrated in his faith. He asked this question, are you the one, or should I expect somebody else? Uh, Jesus, are you the one to answer my prayer, or should I help you out a little bit? Jesus, are you the one to help get my kid through this tough spot, or do I need to step in? I know, of course, you've never said that, but I know I have. And look at Jesus' response. He says this. So he replied to the messengers, go back and give this report. Go back and testify. Go back and share. Go back and tell people the good news. What report are you giving people? What are you telling people at your job concerning Christ Jesus? What are you telling people concerning God, you, you, you know, in your homes, in your personal testimonies with friends and families and neighbors? What has been the report of the Lord for you? Has your God failed you? You know, I think if we just hit the Rolodex and the archives of our lives, we'll realize that our God has always been on time. Not your time, but his time is on time. And so we need to share that report with people. We need to testify. And this is what he does. He says, tell John the blind have received sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news has been proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, stuff is happening, and that's what you need to testify. So if you're here today and you're frustrated, the very first step we need to do is this. We can't harden our hearts. We can't harden our hearts. We have to choose today to be good ground for the word of God to fall on. Because here's real talk. Here's the truth of the matter. You'll have people who come in today and they'll walk out and they'll go, that was a good sermon. I learned so much today. I've been so blessed. And you'll have another person who walks out and says, I didn't get anything. So either God didn't do a good job or pastor and I didn't do a good job. Or maybe the difference is your heart. Because the Bible says that Jesus scatters seed. He throws the seed, but what does it land on? Does it land on rocky ground? Does it land on concrete? Does it land amongst thorns and thistles? Or does it land on dirt that's been turned over and is prepared to receive the word? The Bible says in the, in the book of Matthew that the word of God went out and the hearer, right, had to choose the ground because if they didn't, it says the evil one comes and snatches what was sown in their heart. And so sometimes you'll be in church, you'll hear a good word, and the evil one will immediately come and snatch it because you didn't put it to work. You didn't do something with the word Jesus gave you. And so the enemy comes and he steals it. So today, you have to make a public declaration, a choice that I will be good ground for the word of God to fall on. God, you can trust me with the word you're going to give me. Because here's the truth of the matter. What makes a good sermon? You ever thought about that? As preachers, we're plagued by it. What makes a good sermon? Is it when the people clap? Is it when they say amen? Or how about this one? I'm going to teach you a new word. Back in my church, one of the words we say now when it's a good point, we go, fuego. In other words, that was straight fire, pastor. Go ahead and look at your neighbor and try it. Be bilingual today. Look at him and say, fuego. Go ahead. Go ahead. Look at your other neighbor and you just learned some Spanish. Look at him and say, fuego. Yeah. You did so good. You did so good. This is good. So what makes a good sermon? Is it one in which motivates you, inspires you, encourages you, adds value? 
I don't know about you, Pastor, but I think we've landed on the same page. What really makes a good sermon is when you take a next step. It's when you take a next step. I mean, what good is it if you just have more information but you have no transformation? I mean, if we need more information, pull out your smartphone, go to Google, put best sermon of today, and bam, you'll get it. I mean, if you're looking for a motivational quote that moves you, just put that in, motivational quote of the day. I mean, if it was really about downloading another sermon or another podcast, then you'd be the most motivated person in the world. But really what makes a good sermon is when your information hits the application that produces transformation. Right? When it gets you to move. When it gets you to a next step. So this sermon's all about next steps. But the first step is I choose my ground. I choose my ground on what I need to do. Why? Because God is moving you closer to him. He's drawing you. So today I feel like there's somebody here who needs to just let it go. Who needs to let it go because if you've been hanging around or dealing with people for any certain amount of time, you're going to get offended. So today you have to choose to let things go. It's really not that big a deal. It's really not. Matter of fact, when I was thinking about this, right, and choosing to let it go, Matthew 24, 10 says this, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and they will hate one another. And so this is Jesus talking and he's telling us all of you at one time or another are going to get offended. Matter of fact, I want to give you this illustration. Offenses are inevitable in your life. An offense is what happens. It's an event. But being offended is a decision. Being offended is a decision. You know, uh, the best way I can put it is this. Um, so we're, uh, we're alive and well, and we understand that there's prejudices, right? People prejudge you. People stereotype you. People put you in a box, and it's just really awkward sometimes. So I have this problem. I don't know if you have this problem, but where I live at in Fresno, one out of one people are Mexican. It's pretty much how it is. I mean, if you haven't been there, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really interesting. Anyway, so um, <laughs> it's just fun there. <laughs> And they automatically assume I speak Spanish, which I don't. So it's funnier. So anyway, so like I'll go to like, I don't know, Home Depot or Costco or Lowe's or any other box store. And, and people automatically assume I work there. So like one time I was at Target. How many of you love Targigi? We, we all good with Target, right? We're good. And, and so uh, I realized that at, at Target, uh, you wear a red shirt when you work there. How many know what I'm talking about? Uh, one day I didn't even have on a red shirt and somebody walked up to me and was like, could you grab those those pampers for me, they're up on the top shelf. Could you help me, please? And I'm like, absolutely. I would love to get you your huggies, okay? And my kids are like, but, Dad, you don't work here. Quiet. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> y'all look at me like, are you really? I'm dead serious. Like, it's just so fun to hang out with me, right? And so the, the, the truth of the matter is I could get offended. I could be like, oh, just because you think I'm Mexican, I work here? You know, I, I could get offended. But I choose not to. Because their ignorance isn't going to dictate my happiness. Did you catch that? And so I don't get offended. I just help people. And I mean, it's been so bad. Like, I'll take off and leave my family because I'm helping people load up furniture at Costco. <laughs> and, like, my kids are going, Mom, where's Dad? And, oh, don't worry. He's helping these people out. And I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, I- I'm just big and strong and I can move stuff. I don't know. But, but I choose not to be offended. I choose not to. Why? Because I understand that if I stay offended, then I damn up my blessings from God. I won't hear the voice of God. I won't see the miracles that are moving in my life. That I won't be positioned to believe that I am an overcomer. The devil would have you stay a victim 
all of your life because victims never overcome. And so you got to understand that I choose not to be offended. I choose it. It doesn't bother me. Why? Because I know greater is he that is living on the inside of me. And trust me, I've been in bad situations. I've been in the situations you read about. But I choose to let it go. Why? Because I've learned this principle in life. Learned this principle I want to share with you. I read this in, a, in, a, in just a fantastic story. You could either be coffee or you could be a potato or you can be an egg. Egg, potato, and coffee. All of them need hot water in their life. The potato, as we know, will, will, will go in hard into the hot water, but it'll come out what? Soft. It'll literally break down through the temperature, through the boiling water, through the things of life. This potato gets real soft, and it just crumbles in front of you. Now the egg, it'll go in soft, right? It'll go in soft, but it'll come out what? Hard and calloused and bitter. But the coffee has a unique ability. The coffee beans will go into the water, and all of a sudden it'll start to give off an aroma. And then for those of you who like it, it's going to give off a real good taste. I don't like it, but it works for the illustration. It, it adapts and overcomes life's hardest trials and boiling points and pressures in its life. Which one are you? Today you get to choose that situation with that family member. I will not go in hard and come out soft. I will choose to adapt and overcome. I will rise above and give off an aroma for people to smell. And I'll give off a taste for people to taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a choice you make today. And I want to share that with you. So in essence, what we're really doing is we are choosing freedom for today. We are choosing freedom for today. I want to read you this uh, verse in Galatians chapter 5. It says, Christ has set us free. This means we are really free. Now hold on to your freedom. Boy, that was three times in about one breath. Parents, guys, have your attention real quick, parents, just, just real briefly, right? So uh, many of us know as parents that if we want something done in life with our children, we must what? Repeat ourselves. How many just, just wave at me. If you're sitting next to your kid, go ahead and elbow them just a little slightly in the name of Jesus. Just real quick. Don't leave a mark now. CPS will be here. Just a quick little elbow, right? So anyway, uh, I would tell you, as my parents used to pinch the back, the fat of my arm. How many know what I'm talking about? And then they tell you this, don't cry. I need to cry. I've got a lot of stuff built up now, okay? <laughs> Pain needs to exit the body. So watch this. When talking to my teenagers, because I have an 18, a 17, and a 14-year-old, I've noticed this effective technique. And, and watch this as your kids will get older, Pastor Matt. This is what you start out with. I go, Miha, daughter, I want you to clean your room. Cleaning your room is essential. Cleanliness is next to godliness. There you are, whoever is like seven of you. The rest of you need to learn that real quick. So by today, you need to have your room cleaned. Ah, oh, yeah, y'all get that now. See that? See how that works? Because if you only say it once, you will have to say it again. So what? So Jesus is saying, right, so Paul's writing about Christ. Christ has set you free. You are free indeed. Now go walk out in your freedom. I'm not a theologian. There's not much depth to me. But I'm pretty sure he wants you to be what? Free. So why do we walk around bound? 
See, the problem is this, a real simple illustration. I love this illustration. Uh, It's this. The power of sin has been broken in your life. The power of sin has been broken, right? The penalty for sin has been paid for. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. I do not have to turn and burn, baby. I don't have to go to hell. I already lived there, okay? So I don't got to go. This is good news. But it's the pattern of sin that's doing me wrong. Have you been there? God, I promise you if you just get me out of this time, I won't do it again. God, I know I slipped up, but, but give me grace one more time. God, I, I, I mean, aren't you tired of your anger getting the best of you? Aren't you tired even after you said I'm not going to be angry anymore and then all of a sudden I'm not going to lie no more and then all of a sudden? Just do, am I making any sense? It's that pattern of sin. It's like Paul said, what I, what I know I should do, I don't do. And what I shouldn't be doing... Man, that's what I do. That's what I do. I end up falling. I end up falling. And I don't want to fall anymore. But the Bible just said that for Christ has set us free, that means you are really free, but I'm not living like it. Did you know that freedom is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone? Can I ask you a very heart-to-heart question? Have you invited Jesus in to the bad areas of your life? Have you invited him in to the areas that you're ashamed of? See, I, I, I'm, I'm not a dummy. I wasn't raised in church. I, I got my Ph.D. in being a heathen and being an anti-God person. And, and, like, all my family's pretty much anti-God. So I know how that works. And to be honest with you, there's a level of shame we all walk in with. And we walk in with the level of shame because we're afraid of what, we're afraid if people really knew who we were and what we were doing, they wouldn't like us. And the truth of the matter is, is we even carry that over to God. And we don't invite God into the areas of our heart that is full of, for lack of better theological words, caca. (laughs) Translation, poo-poo. That's what that is. In other words, uh, can I put it to you in an illustration like this? So um, it was probably about four months ago. Maybe five months. You know, as you get older, they all blend together, right, four or five months. That's why you just throw out all your kids' names at once and all the ages at once, right? You don't really know which one's that old, but it's okay. And so <laughs> so we were getting ready for church service, and I'm out in front. And we're on a busy road like you guys, but literally our front doors lead to the busy road. I mean, it's really, really busy road. It's uh, Palm Avenue in Fresno. And so long story short, we're getting ready to have our first Wednesday service. And I have my back to the street, and I'm talking with people, and we're having our pre-party. We got music. I mean, it's just awesome. It's going on. And I hear this car try to, like, come to a screeching stop, and all you hear is this boom, boom, boom. And, like, like you could tell something happened back because they take off again. And I look over, and I just hear everybody screaming. They ran over a person. This guy was on the bike, and he is literally in the middle of the road. He ain't moving. So I immediately kick in to... Uh, I, I coached football for years, and I was a site and safety coordinator, so I already know what to do in an accident. So I kick into this mode, and I, I get cones out in the street, and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff. I get all the kids away because that's some PTSD. How many know what I'm talking about? And this guy's laying motionless in the, it, it, literally in the middle of the street. I call for our worship leader who's an EMT, excuse me, who's a trauma nurse for an ER for a major hospital. I say, hey, go get Esther. We need her out here right away. And listen, I'm not a doctor, but I know when it's a femur breaking the leg, y'all. I know when that leg ain't no good, like something bad. Like, I, I mean, 
when it's going a direction it shouldn't be going and facing ways it shouldn't be facing, you don't look down and go, oh, he's going to be all right. You know, no, no, you look like this is bad. Get on the phone, 911, right? Now, now watch this. She runs over. She's diagnosing him a little bit. She's taking a look at what's going on. We got EMT. We got, you know, 911 on the phone. EMT's two minutes out, blah, blah, blah. Now, in, in all seriousness, wouldn't it be something crazy if the dude woke up? Seriously, if he woke up and he said, you know what, what are y'all doing? Man, we got the ambulance coming. He said, nah, man, I got time for the ambulance. I'm going to go home. I'm going to shave, shower, and shine. I'm going to put my leg up in a brace, and I'll meet y'all at the hospital. That make no sense? That's how people show up to church. You know, Jesus, I'm going to get my life right first. I'm going to go ahead and take care of everything myself. I'm going to deal with my demons. I'm going to deal with my addictions. I'm going to go ahead and work on my lying, cheating self. And then when I'm holy enough, I'm going to come into church and raise my hands. Because I don't need your grace. I don't need your assistance. I don't need your help. When Jesus the whole time is saying, bring me the lame, the maimed, and the untamed. Bring me those who can't help themselves, and I will welcome them into the house of God. I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Now, that should be something to shout about. Amen? And that's what it is about freedom. That's what it is about freedom. It's about God helping you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He's saying, I want to help you with that pattern. Invite me into the areas of your life that you still feel shame about. I want to help you. And so we must do that as believers. We must say, God, come into this area. I'm tired of lying to my spouse. I want to be truthful. I invite you in right here. And then you come clean with your spouse and help, her to, and, and help him or her to keep you accountable. We have to invite him in. Now watch this. You might be in the church. You might say, Pastor, I'm doing this stuff. I'm, I'm involved in my freedom journey. I'm worshiping like never before, Pastor. I'm serving on the drink team. I'm doing everything you need me to do. I'm running a small group. I'm participating in a small group. Like, how do I continue my own personal development? So a lot of times I think people come into church are like, okay, so what is my next step? I do everything you're asking me to do, Pastor. There are two steps that never get old as, as far as doing in the church for the church. Okay, two steps. Okay, there are two things. First off, uh, and I'm setting aside, we always know we need to read our Bible. We need to pray, have a worship life. I'm not talking about two things we, all, we never get old doing in the church. Number one is we're going to live a life of giving. Okay. But number two, you're going to live a life of invitation. You're going to live a life of invitation. you got to choose to invite. I came across something, and, I, and by the way, I'm talking to the believers here, okay? The people who have been in church for years, you know what I'm talking about. I want to show you a passage of text that caught me off guard. That caught me off guard that I was like, whoa, what is that doing in there? Who wrote it and why? Why did Jesus give this story? So there's a parable. There's a story of the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was not the Lazarus that Jesus resurrected on the third day. Lazarus was this beggar that lived outside a rich man's house. And every day the Bible says Lazarus would ask for food, and every day the rich man would say no. And then the dogs, the Bible, I don't know why they put it in there, but this is what it says. The dogs would come and lick the sores off Lazarus' body. That's just nasty. I don't even know why it had to be in there. What is that in there for? But it said literally the dogs would come lick his wounds. So one day... Both of them, excuse me, on one day, both of them die. Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom, or we would call paradise, heaven, and the rich man goes to hell. But the interesting point of the story is this. They could see each other. 
There was just a, there was a, a, a transparent wall, a, a, a space in between that divided both of them. That was it. They could see each other. And so the rich man says, hey, hey, Father Abraham, could you, um, could, could, could you tell Lazarus to get me a cup of, a, a, a glass of cold water so I could soothe my tongue? It's on fire. He says, no, nah, man, once you go over there, you can never come back over here. That's it. You're done. And then Jesus, the master storyteller. And then there's a plot twist. You never see it coming. It's going to come up on the board. Verse 16, or excuse me, chapter 16, verse 27, 28. He answered then, I beg you, Father Abraham, Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, whoever's listening, I beg you, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers, and let him warn them so that they will not also end up in this place of torment. And it caught me off guard. Did, did you know that 100% of people who end up in hell are now believers? And I'm not saying that to scare anybody. I'm just saying for those who are skeptics and doubt it, you no longer doubt when you're there. The man with the testimony is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Did you know that 100% of people who are in heaven are there because they chose to be there? There's nothing addictive about God. No one will ever say, I'm addicted to fasting. Oh, someone say amen. That is so gospel true. I know your pastor hardly ever eats. I don't have that problem. But I'm just saying, like, I've never once said, uh, which explains the size difference, apparently. <laughs> I've never fit into that shirt. <laughs> I grew out of that, like, in the second grade. So, so what I'm saying is no one, no one is ever addicted to fasting. I've never met one person who OD'd off prayer. You're like, why are you in the hospital? Man, that was an all-night prayer session, man. Like, I OD'd. <laughs> Y'all getting it now. Y'all getting it. Did you know that? So 100% of the people who are in heaven actually chose it. And so I, I read this verse, and you know what I realized? Hell has what the church needs. Hell has what the church needs. Urgency. He said, would you please send somebody? To go tell my five brothers, could you, could you do something for me now? I just got one last prayer request. I got one last ask of you. Would, would you do that for me? And I just wonder if we have the same urgency. I just wonder if we're there. See, I don't really think we need something to get us all excited and hyped up and feel like we could go, you know, run through a wall or kill a Goliath or go fish, you know, and go hunt and do. I think what we need is to understand the, the reality of the gospel, which is heaven is real. And if heaven is real, I mean, hell is real. And if there's God, then there's got to be a devil. And if there's angels, then there's got to be demons. Hello, simple. I think we've overcomplicated things. And this guy just simply said, will you help me out? Will you send these people? Will you send somebody to help my family? And I just wonder if you're here, believer, and you've given up on inviting your family. 
if you've given up on inviting your coworker, if you've given up on inviting your neighbor, if you've given up on inviting the grocery clerk who helps you out, uh, Tom in the produce, or, or Yolanda who helped out the checkout, or have you given up on people, or is there a sense of urgency? I just simply submit to you subjectively that this, once again, hell has the urgency the church needs. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying to you. And I don't know who that's for, but I believe this is your next step. It never gets old. It never gets old and tiresome to share your faith with people. Now, for those of you, you might be in here like, man, like, I don't even get this whole church thing. Like, like I'm kind of new to it. I was in and out of it when I was a kid and, you know, maybe in my young adult life. And I don't really know what's going on. I'm going to say, I, I get it. I understand. Trust me, I understand, like, I had to make a choice to choose Christ. If anybody gets it, I get it. I get it. I grew up just right over the mountain over there. I grew up in Stockton, and, and, and I had to choose Christ one day. Why? Because nothing else was working. You ever been there when nothing else is working? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Nothing else is working. It just isn't working. So I had to choose Christ. Now, nobody chooses it for you. This is your personal decision. And this is what I tell people. This is why I love God. He doesn't force me to do anything. He invites me to do everything. Did you catch that? He won't force you to do anything, but he'll invite you to do everything. It's always a knock on the door and it's always an invitation. Maybe today your next step is what? Choosing Christ. Going all in on this faith, saying, God, you know what, I surrender to who I am, and I clearly want to subject myself and surrender myself to who you are. I am tired of doing me and living for me. I am tired of the path I'm currently on. I need a transformation in my life. You have to choose Christ. Nobody else will choose it for you. See, today will either be one day or it'll be day one. Let me break down the difference. Let me break down this difference. January of 1996, that's way back, right? Some of you weren't born yet. Oh, well, all right, we'll move along. January of 1996, I was holding a youth revival up in Redding, California, and my, day one, my, my one day turned into a day one when this fine woman of God walked in the building. This fine, worshiping, Bible-believing woman of God walked in. I said to the Lord, that needs to be my wife. If you will blind her for three months, I'll put a ring on it and I'll marry her. I will make it happen. <laughs> and three months later, we got married. Hello, that's what I'm talking about. I sold my car to buy a ring. I said, baby girl, I'm so strong, I'll pick you up and carry you everywhere you need to go. Don't worry about it. I will take care of it. My one day turned into day one. I just wonder if this is your one day and you can choose to make it a day one by praying and receiving Christ. Now, some of you, you've already received Christ. You know what your next step is? It's real simple. You need to get into that tub and you need to get baptized because that's your coming out party. This is your declaration that, Jesus, I am a changed person. You might say, well, I ain't got no gear. They got gear for you. You can put your hair up in a bun. You can just shave the hair off, whatever you need to do. But we can put you in the water. Some of you might say, well, I've got some serious issues in my life. Don't be like the guy in the middle of the road who goes, let me go get cleaned up first. No, allow this to be your first step. And if we need to, Pastor Matt will hold you in a little bit longer to make sure all this stuff gets clean. No hassle guarantee right there. That part was a joke. I'm really not serious about that. <laughs> We're doing, baptize, we're doing baptisms at our church today, too. This is something that real Bible-believing churches do, uh, except we had to push our baptism because we're outside, Pastor. We had to push our baptism to 7 o'clock tonight. 
because our normal 5 o'clock start time, it was going to be 111. How many know everybody getting baptized at 111? Huh? Jesus, put me in the pool. Put me in the pool. You, you got your little floaties on and everything. Get, give me the rubber ducky. Let's get, dunk me again. <laughs> so true. So true. Man, it didn't feel good to laugh in church. Isn't that good? You didn't expect that, huh? You didn't expect that. Don't worry, most people who walk into our church don't expect it either. They think I'm the gardener. So, I, that actually wasn't a lie. That was, that was honest. That was so true. Like, they think I'm either security or someone to do with the lawn. So, security part I got, though. I was like, yeah, security. You know, in, I was 17 years old when I got up on an Easter Sunday because stuff wasn't working. And I found myself at a church corner of Westland and Bianchi. It's in Stockton. And uh, my friend, had, my best friend had taken me there a few times. I really didn't want nothing to do with God. But on that Sunday, I felt so alone, so empty, you know, shackled with all this bondage in my life. All these things, you know, tired of doing, sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't know who I'm talking to, but, but it's like, it's not making sense. And, and so I, I drove myself to church. Like I knew how to get there. And, um, I walk into this, this sanctuary. It's Easter Sunday, man. It's packed out. Everybody's all dressed up. Not me. I, I didn't know any better. So I walk in. You know where I sat? I sat, I sat where most people who aren't really feeling it yet. You know, I sat in the back, 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 back. They thought I was an usher. I was sitting so far back. <laughs> right towards the exit because as soon as he's done, you dip out real quick, right? You got to beat everybody to lunch anyway. And so, <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back and, uh, can I be honest with you? I don't remember what the guy preached. I know his name was Pastor Curtis Holland. He's this uh, white guy with a three-piece white suit on that day. I was like, bro, you just blend all the way in. Like, I mean, you should add a little color somewhere. It had a white tie and everything. I was like, you got to mix it up a little bit. We're going to work on dressing you here in a minute. And I don't remember anything he said, Pastor. I really don't. But you know what I remember is he began to give an invitation. And whether you are a believer or you are a pre-believer, we've all heard this invitation. And what's funny is the Spirit of God begins to move differently for all of us. For me, my heart was beating so hard out of my chest. I mean, for, I, just, I mean, I felt like people could hear it. Like, I thought I was going into cardiac arrest. Like, what is wrong with me? And I just felt this gentle tug. Like, hey, I got something in store for you. And I'm not going to lie to you, I fought it. And all of a sudden, I started getting sweaty. I felt like all eyes were on me, like people were just waiting for me. And I just, I just felt the sense of the Holy Spirit saying, I got you. I want to take care of you. I want to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And I remember saying this, I ain't ready yet. Like, there's some things I got to work out. Like, like I, I was into extracurricular activity. No need to go into all the details, but... There were some things that hadn't happened yet and some things I had a hold of that needed to happen. Anyway, and so, and so I was like, God, I'm not ready yet. Like, and I just, I don't know, maybe it was me. Maybe it was the party in the night before. I don't know, but you know what I heard? You ain't never ready. You're never ready. You got to choose today. And you know what happened? He said, if there's anybody here who would like to receive Christ, raise your hand. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you ever know that? 
you failed me. <laughs> Does that ever happen to anybody? Like some you're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you ever had, that happened to me in worship one time. I, I was going to be cool, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden both my hands are up. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I just feel like the Spirit of God is drawing. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. You know, there's one thing we all have in common. We all got to have obedience in our life. We all got to obey.